Okay. Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on Sunday, June 30th, 2013. Today's message is Transformed by the Mission, Peter and Cornelius, by Pastor Ryan Cochran, based on Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 36. Let's pray together. God, we thank you today for this incredible story of what you did in Peter's life as you sent him to this man named Cornelius. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to what you are calling each of us to be about in our lives. God, remind us that you are always at work in our hearts, making us more and more like Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are finishing our sermon series this week uh, that we've entitled Transformed by the Mission. And throughout this series, we've been looking at stories throughout the Bible of, of God's people who have been sent by God, uh, called by God to fulfill some task that God has for them. I'm going to lower this a little bit. They've been invited to be a part of God's mission in some way, and they were required to boldly enter into the lives of other people and to obey whatever God said for them to do. And what we've been focusing on through this sermon series is not the transformation that happened in the lives of the other people, the people who were out there that God was sending people to. Instead, we've been focusing on the transformation that took place in the lives of the people who he was sending. God had a work to do in them. God had a work to do in their hearts, in their minds, to teach them to trust him more, to love him more. God is always graciously at work, calling us and shaping us through the work that he calls us to do, to make us more who he wants us to be. And this is very obvious in this story of Peter in Acts chapter 10. At the end of this story, Peter comes to know something that he really never knew before, even though Jesus told him over and over again. Even though he had heard this message over and over again, it seems that he never really knew it. At the end of this story, Peter gets to see with his own eyes how God changes Cornelius's life. Cornelius was a Roman. Cornelius was a Gentile, considered to be a religious outsider. And Peter gets to see with his own eyes that Cornelius was converted to Jesus. That Cornelius came to true faith, had a real experience with the Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. And at the end of this story, Peter says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. I now realize, after I have been called to go to Cornelius and proclaim the gospel to him, I now realize what is true about God and what he is doing in the world. This is Peter, the leader of the church at this time. This man who had walked with Jesus personally for three years, who received the Holy Spirit and was chosen by God to preach on the day of Pentecost, 
who has been leading the church now for 10 years after Christ's resurrection. And Peter did not know this important and basic truth about the character and purposes of God. That God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear God. God will not stop at revealing Jesus only to those who are Jewish, only to those who were his chosen people. God's plans and purposes were for all people throughout the world to come to know who Jesus is. And I think that it's possible that Peter may have known this was true in his head. He heard Jesus say things like this. He heard Jesus command him to go into all the world and to proclaim the gospel. But it seems as if Peter never really knew it or never really believed it, or maybe, maybe he didn't want to believe it. I, I don't know what it was, but there was something about this moment where God called him to Cornelius, where then Peter says, now I realize this truth about God. God in this story did a great thing through Peter, through his leadership, through his boldness. God gave Peter an opportunity to proclaim the gospel to Cornelius. But in this story, what we see uh, even more clearly, and the reason that this story is recorded for us in the book of Acts, is that God changed Peter as Peter was obedient to God's call. In this story, we see how Peter had his eyes open to what God was really doing in the world. This story of Peter and Cornelius is one of the most important stories in all of Scripture. The story of Peter and Cornelius is mentioned three times in the book of Acts. In fact, the entire story, uh, uh, Ruth only read about half of it, um, this entire story is retold almost in its entirety, entirely over again in Acts chapter 11. The story is retold. It's as if Luke, the writer of Acts, wants to remind us how important, how pivotal this story, this moment is. Later in Acts chapter 15, Peter stands before the Jerusalem council and he reminds them of this story as he's standing there uh, seeking to convince this council that they are called to go to the Gentiles, to those who are not Jewish. It's very rare in the Bible to record a story more than once, let alone three times. But it's because this story is so important in the life of the church that Luke tells us this story over and over and over again. Now at the very beginning of the book of Acts, after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus commanded his disciples to go with the good news of Jesus that he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But up to this point in the book of Acts, the disciples have only witnessed in Jerusalem and only a little bit in the areas surrounding it, in Judea and Samaria. They have not yet in any way begun to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Going to the ends of the earth was going to be uh, stretching for them. They were going to have to go into uh, the cities where Gentiles live to go and to have interaction with Gentiles. And while the disciples heard Jesus command them to do this, it doesn't seem as if they were ready or willing to do it. Those who have studied the book of Acts and Paul's letters, um, they've suggested that Peter's encounter with Cornelius takes place as much as 10 years after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. 10 years. 
I remember being shocked when I read that a few years ago. It's possible that an entire decade has passed since Jesus commanded his disciples to be witnesses to the ends of the earth, and it seems as if they could not imagine that that was true or did not have the courage or the will from the Spirit yet to do that. They were not yet ready to do it. And so now, in this moment, God moves in Peter's life. Peter is seen as the leader of the church, and God works in his life to show him the truth of the gospel, that in Christ, Jew and Gentile, all people, can be made right with God through Christ. And now that Peter has had this vision, it opens the way for the church to go on this Gentile mission to the ends of the earth. And the rest of the book of Acts, from this point on, is the story of Paul's missionary journey to the ends of the earth. The change that took place in Peter's life, his realization that God does not show favoritism, but that he accepts men from every nation, was a world-changing event. Peter was the leader of the church, and it was through God revealing this to Peter that the whole church then begins to understand what God is really up to in the world. If it wasn't for this event... For this work that God did in Peter's life, the church would not have affirmed and sent Paul on his missionary journey to the Gentiles. If Peter's life would not have been changed through this, then you and I would have no knowledge of Christ. This is the story that God uses to open up the good news about Jesus to the whole world. You and I are believers today in many ways because of this story, because of God's gracious work in Peter's life to change his mind, to change his heart about what God is up to in the world. So let's take a little bit of a closer look at this story and see how it is that God goes about changing Peter's life. We read in this story in Acts chapter 10 that a very strange thing happens to Peter one day. Peter is up on the rooftop, and he sees a vision. And in this vision, Peter sees all different kinds of animals coming down out of heaven on a sheet. And he hears God say to him, Peter, kill and eat. These animals were animals that were forbidden for Jews to eat. And God says to Peter, Peter, get up, kill and eat. Of course, as a good Jewish person, Peter reacts strongly to this. All of these animals that he sees in this vision were considered unclean, and Peter had never eaten an animal that was unclean, and he refuses to eat them. But God says to him, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this vision happens three times, Acts tells us. I think Just so Peter knew that it was from God, it just wasn't a bit of indigestion or something like that. This was a vision from God. Immediately after seeing this vision, Peter is called by God to go to Cornelius' house. Cornelius, this Roman, this Gentile, this leader of the Roman army, a man outside of the Jewish people. And Peter is called to go to his house. Not into the marketplace, not to meet um, Cornelius in some neutral place, not to meet Cornelius out in a public area, not for a walk down by the lake. Peter is called to go to Cornelius' house 
and to be his guest. Now this may not sound like a very big deal to us, um, but it was a very big deal to Peter, and it would have been a very big deal to anyone who saw what Peter was doing. Jews were not allowed to eat in the houses of Gentiles because of the dietary restrictions of the law. But now God commands Peter to go into the house of a Gentile and to be his guest, to receive the hospitality of Cornelius and to eat with him. Peter, do not call anything impure that God has called clean. During this time, eating with other people held a deep significance. Who you shared a meal with was important. It said something about who you were and about what your identity was and who you wanted to be identified with. If you think about Jesus' own life, you see how important it was who Jesus ate with. Jesus got into the most trouble in his ministry with those who were in authority, those who were religious leaders, because he ate with the wrong people, with sinners, with tax collectors, with prostitutes. Jesus ate with the wrong people. He identified himself with these outsiders, with these sinners, with these people who are morally outcast. His eating with them was saying something to everyone who would see that he was somehow tying himself to these people. I am with these kinds of people. I am for these kinds of people. Who you ate with said something to those around you about your status and about how, who you wanted to be identified with. And in this story, Peter, a Jew, realizes that because of the gospel that he is able, and not only able, but commanded to share a meal with people who he previously thought were outsiders, were unclean, who he believed in his heart were not really a part of God's people, commanded to go and to sit in Cornelius' home and to have a meal with him, to identify himself with Cornelius. And because of that, and because Peter was obedient to that command, it changed everything for Peter, and it changed everything for us. Now Peter, the leader of the church at this time, finally understands the fullness of the gospel, understands the importance of proclaiming the gospel not only to his own Jewish people who needed to hear of the Messiah, but proclaiming the gospel that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. This story is the story of Peter's second conversion. Jesus said that the two greatest commandments are these, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We see in Peter's story that he is a man who knew very well the first command. He is a man who has been converted wholeheartedly to Jesus, a man who loved God with all his heart and soul and mind and strength, fully committed to God, fully committed to this first of the great commandments. And I think that he probably thought that he was also committed to the second one. But in this story, Peter is truly converted to know who his neighbor is and how far he is called to go to love his neighbor. In this story, Peter is not converted to Jesus. He already knows and loves Jesus. Peter is converted 
to his neighbor. It was in this story that Peter realized that other Jewish people were not his only neighbors. He probably should have realized that when Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, but he didn't remember, or he forgot, or he didn't really believe it. In Peter's life here in this story, Peter preaches a sermon to Cornelius and to his family. In Acts chapter 10, verse 36, we read the opening of Peter's sermon to his family. Peter says this, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know the message of God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Peter says that the gospel is good news, and that is what the gospel means. It means, very literally, good news. This message of Jesus Christ is gospel. It is good news about something. It is good news about peace through Jesus, who is Lord over all. The gospel is good news about peace. For those of us in this room who are Christians, who are followers of Jesus, we know that we have been saved by God. We know the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ who died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. That this gospel is the good news that you and I can be at peace with God. We have sinned, we have been disobedient to God, we have been separated from God. Paul tells us that we were enemies of God, but through Christ we can have peace with God. No longer separated from him, but brought into his presence through Jesus. No longer enemies of God, but his children and his friends. The good news of Jesus Christ is a message of peace, a message that you and I can be at peace with God. Amen? But the peace that comes through the gospel goes even further than that. As as we are made at peace with God, we are also made to be at peace with our neighbors as well. We cannot be at peace with God if we are not at peace with others. The gospel is the good news that God is bringing people from every nation into peace with himself and that God is also bringing people from every nation into peace with one another as they come together under the authority of Jesus. When we submit to Jesus as Lord, We are then also brought into a new family. Each of us brought into a relationship with our Heavenly Father, now sitting around the same family table. Through Christ, we come together around this same table and share the same meal and become one family together. Paul says this, describes this beautifully in the book of Ephesians, and I would encourage you to go there. Ephesians chapter 2 going to read verses 13 through 18. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, talks about this mystery of Christ bringing peace between human beings and God, and also peace between human beings with one another. 
I just want to read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, and when he says you who once were far away, he's referring to those who were Gentiles, those who are not a part of God's chosen people. Now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, those who are Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, the Jews. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. In Christ, God was doing a new thing. In Christ, God was making it possible for you and I to be at peace with God and also for you and I to be at peace, to be united to those who are not like us, who do not think like us or act like us. He himself becomes the mediator between you and me. He himself becomes the mediator in our lives, where you and I, even if we come from different cultures and backgrounds and languages, the most important thing in our lives, Jesus Christ, is what we have in common. And so we can come together in unity in him. Jesus, the most important thing in our life, is the one thing who brings us together, where we find common ground where we can be in unity together. And this is what Peter discovers in this story. Peter is in the middle of his own conversion in this story. Peter himself is being changed by God at this time, and while he is being changed, God gives him an opportunity to do this great work of preaching the gospel to Cornelius. And Peter calls this message the good news of peace. And I believe that this is the first time Uh, in, in the Bible where it is called the good news of peace. And it makes sense that it would happen at this moment where Peter begins to understand this. Peter understands that the good news is not just about God reconciling Jewish people to himself, but that God is about reconciling all people to himself and all people to all people. The gospel is the good news of peace. Peter discovered this gospel, this gospel of peace, because he was called to go and because he was obedient to God's call. He was able to see this with his own eyes, able to see the work that God was doing in Cornelius' life with his own eyes as he sat around that table that day and received Cornelius' hospitality. He came to know, not only in his head, but also very deeply in his heart, that Jesus was Lord of all, and that through Christ he could be at peace with God and with his neighbor. That is what Peter discovered by his obedience. 
Peter was transformed by the mission. So we are finishing this sermon series today, and I want to finish with a challenge to each of us. When we are not open to God's call in our life, when we are not open to doing what God calls us to do, we are the ones that suffer. It is our own faith, our own walk with God that suffers. When we do not take hold of opportunities to serve God and to serve others, it is our own heart that becomes cold toward God. We lose interest in God. We lose interest in the word of God and in prayer. It's when we say yes to God and his calling in our lives, when we have committed ourselves to serving him in some way, joining with him in his mission in the world, it is then that our hearts are made alive to God. It's then that we begin to be sensitive and open to what he's doing in our lives. And I want to say that for all of us, there is such a temptation in our lives to fill our time in our energy and our efforts and our, use our money for all kinds of worldly things. I'm not talking about sinful things here. I'm just talking about stuff that we put into our lives and that take up our time and our energy and our resources. We stuff ourselves with this stuff and we have no room or space for God to work in our lives. It leaves no room in our lives for us to say yes to God when he calls us. No room in our lives to say yes to serving God and others around us. And when that happens, when we stop serving, we become cold to God, disinterested in him, disinterested in his work. And so I challenge you today, the one who suffers the most from your lack of responsiveness to do the work of God is you. God can accomplish whatever task he has without you. There are other people who are open and ready and willing to serve. The one who misses out is you when you do not say yes to his call. It is you who misses out when your busy schedule, your priorities, your interests, your whatever it is, keeps you from saying yes to what God wants from you. It is you who suffer. God will get the task done in whatever way he wants. He has invited you to join him in his mission for your sake. God wants you to be transformed by the mission. God wants you to grow in love for him and love for neighbor, and that can only happen when you are doing good work with him. Let's pray. God, we come to you and we know that in our hearts we are often apathetic and cold toward you and toward your calling in our lives. God, we ask for your forgiveness and your mercy in our life. God, we thank you for the examples that we've seen over the last few weeks of Joseph and Moses and Jonah and the 72 who were sent out of people who heard your call and who were obedient. And because of that, their lives with you were enriched and they grew. They came to a deeper knowledge of who you were, a deeper love for you. 
God, it was through saying yes to you that that happened. And so, God, I pray for each of us in ways that we may be resisting in our life, in whatever way that may be, to your call in our life. God, I pray that you would help us to say yes to what you are calling us to be about. Lord, that through, uh, through that, that you would make, make Jesus formed in our hearts. In Christ's name, amen.